Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Editor's Note. I'm Yair Pinto, and together with me, as always, is TV7 Editor-in-Chief Jonathan Hessen. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Praise God. It's uh, well. Spring is lovely here in Israel. <laughs> I know you love uh, spring, summer. My favorite seasons, yes. Indeed. So uh, I see you're also in high spirits. <laughs> Definitely. Listen, I'm, I'm doing great, you know. Praise the Lord. Last program, we thank God for the for the fast recovery of my surgery. And really now I'm almost without pain. It's still a bit swollen, but getting better every day. So I'm, you know, really happy and thankful. Praise God. So before we dive into all the topics that uh, we want to discuss today, let's, let's ask God to bless this program and be with us. And I would like to ask you back at home to join me and join Jonathan in prayer for this program that God will be with us. אבינו שבשמיים, תודה לך שאתה אל טוב, תודה לך שאתה נאמן, תודה לך שאתה מספק את כל צרכינו. Our Father in heaven, thank you that you are good, that you are loyal, and that you are our provider, providing all of our needs. Thank you for allowing us here in Jerusalem to provide the daily content and truthful information about what's happening in the situation around the world and equipping our viewers with the knowledge of what to pray for, because you called us and everybody back at home to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And how can we pray for something that we don't understand or know? So please allow us to continue what we do, bless what we do here, and give our viewers and everybody back at home a point to pray for in Israel, in the region, in their own countries, and be with us today, B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, Jonathan, I think, again, I before we dive into the, the today's topics, I would like to just share with our viewers back at home that uh, all the work that we do here in TV7 Israel is made possible because of your financial contributions, your financial donations to this ministry. So every program that we have now is sustained by the donations that you make. Every program, new program that we produce will be made possible according to uh, future or more donations that we receive. So we really need your help and we cannot do this without you back at home. So I would like to ask you to pray and seek, seek the Lord. And if he tells you to make a financial contribution to our ministry, to TV7 Israel News, to Truth for the Nations, go to our website, at uh, www.tv7israelnews.com and make a financial contribution. It will go a long way. So thank you. Well, Jonathan, we have a lot to discuss, but I think that in this program we should uh, start by talking about what happened in the news, in TV7 Israel News last week, um, regarding the Russia-Syria military exercise that is that happened in the northern parts of Israel, in Syria. Should Israel, you know, keep their eyes open on that area? Is it affecting us? 
Israel's eyes are wide open. Okay, that's uh, that's good. That's good to know. Yes. Um, obviously, you know, within when you're talking about intelligence, uh, the the quantity of people involved and and the um, ability to truly look into what is happening surrounding uh, your country, but also beyond that, that impact both uh, your security and national security interests. Uh, which go also about economic interests mm-hmm. and, and other aspects, but ultimately, um, a country's sustainability is uh, very heavily reliant on its ability to act within the the mosaic of the international community, mm-hmm. the geopolitical construct, if you will. And as such, when uh, you look at uh, the capacity, ultimately, Israel is is very invested. And uh, the fiscal investments mm-hmm. into the intelligence are directed specifically into the de- uh, departments that are um, conducting activities vis-a-vis the Syria file, mm-hmm. vis-a-vis the Iraq file, uh, regarding Iran, of course, uh, Yemen, Saudi Arabia uh, is, of course, more on the communication part and coordination part. So it is conducted throughout the region. Um and there's also very uh, much coordination with like-minded nations, with partners. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's no secret that as Israel has intelligence, excuse me, uh, coordination with Jordan with regard to Syria. Okay. With regard to other countries. Because we have uh, aligned interests. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, with Egypt, with many countries in the region. Um more than people even realize. Okay. Yeah, so people talk about like the, the Abraham Accord making this uh, connection between Israel and Arab states in uh, economic ways, but we already have a strong base of intelligence cooperation with these countries, correct? Cooperation with those countries have been going on for over 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the main reason is common challenges. Yes. The enemy of our enemies... Uh, is not, is our partner. <laughs> he might may not be our friend. He yes. may not like us very much. He, we not uh, we may not like him very much, uh, or her in that the, the yes, general context. But when we're looking at uh, common threats, there is logic behind cooperating mm-hmm. uh, and understanding that not everybody is able to do everything. Yes. So ultimately, um, when we're talking about the northern sector of Israel, be it Lebanon, be it uh, Syria, be it Iraq to a certain degree, and the whole crescent, um, looking at uh, the Turkish intentions vis-a-vis Syria, there is a lot of effort being made to keep all the various puzzle pieces very much up to date and then connecting them together Mm -hmm. so we may see the right picture in front of us and understand uh, truly what is happening on the ground. Now, you're speaking about the report of the joint air maneuver. Mm -hmm. It was an exercise the defense ministry in in Moscow published uh, uh, footage of that that we obviously also showcased on uh, our uh, TV7 Israel news broadcast. Mm -hmm. And uh, these exercises are legitimate. Um, of course, the Syrians try to hype it up 
uh, of saying we exercised uh, intercepting foreign aircraft penetrating uh-huh. our country. It's a hint to, to, to Israel or to other It's actually countries. a hint to Turkey, more okay, than Israel. Really? Uh, they, they conducted also a joint uh, drill along the border with Israel. Um, they would not cross into Israel. Uh, there is close deconfliction. Uh, a deconfliction mechanism with the Russians. With Russia, yes. Uh, when we're talking about Israeli air superiority, um, it is several generations. So there is no beyond. question, uh, there's no match here. There is no match. Also, from a surface to air mm-hmm. capability, uh, the Russians do have the S 400 uh, located in Hamimim base area, mm-hmm. uh, where they have an Air Force base. They have, of course, the Taltus. Uh, uh, area also, um, which is a naval base, uh, mm-hmm. they call it the hot water base, uh, in order to allow them to penetrate into Africa uh, for the most part. But now the Russians are limited uh, from uh, a ground and naval perspective. They're very limited because uh, Turkey has closed the phosphorus uh, strait, mm-hmm. okay, and if we have the map here, the phosphorus strait, we can't see it here on the map, it goes all the way up here, but that's where the Black Sea basically goes into the Aegean and from the Aegean into the Mediterranean ah, okay. Sea. Mm-hmm. Um, in order for its military vessels to go through, it needs permission from Turkey, which is basically the custodian of those areas. I see. Uh, it blocked that to Russian military vessels and... Also, it blocked uh, the airspace of Turkey to any military aircraft of Russia. Mm-hmm. So for the Russians to enter into Syria, they need to fly through Armenia, from Armenia go through Iran, and then enter into Iraq. And from Iraq, they go then so into a, yeah, Syria. Yeah, it's, it's a way longer way. It's a whole yeah. turn, meaning that... There are two points that are quite interesting from this perspective. The fact of the matter is this provides the Iranians leverage mm-hmm. over the Russians when it comes to Syria. I see. So the Iranian influence in Syria might be even more significant because... The Iranian influence in Syria is growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason for that is the, uh, you know, as I, I mentioned uh, time and again... The Russia-Ukraine situation, uh, the Russian offensive into Ukraine, is, for uh, for the most part, just one pawn in a chessboard, mm-hmm. you know, moving one step forward. The chessboard is the playing field. The, the pieces are the various nations, and ultimately, when we're looking uh, from a holistic part, this is part of the strategic competition. This is a conflict between the United States and China mm-hmm. as the primary actors. Secondary actors include the Europeans from the American side, uh, the Australians from the American side, the Japanese, South Koreans, uh, Canadians, and uh, a number of nations mm-hmm. in, in Africa. And then on the other hand, uh, of course, Israel is part of that mm-hmm. yes. context. And then on the other hand, you have uh, the Chinese acting in in cohesion with uh, the Russians, with Iran. Uh, Russia is a secondary actor. Iran is a third 
actor, more of a client, because it's pretty much uh, bankrupt and, and needs Chinese uh, economic uh, assistance. Mm-hmm. Um, and Which is significant in, in Iran, the investment. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. It's more than 400 billion uh, wow. US dollars for a period of 25 years that the Iranians, unless the JCPOA, unless US sanctions are lifted, uh, they have no other alternative, basically. They're to going to that. get into deep trouble um, and are going to owe the Chinese a lot of money. Now, the Chinese will, will collect. collect. Definitely. They yeah. will collect. And, and the moment they collect, it means that, you know, Iranian infrastructure is going to be owned by China. Yes. Wow. Uh, is going to be part of the Chinese equation. So then suddenly they have Chinese national security interests presented in, in Iran. Mm-hmm. So there is here a, a global challenge that is then portrayed in, in a smaller scale um, offensive, be it Ukraine. Yes. Okay. This is small scale. People look at it as if it's, you know. It's huge, yeah, huge. but they're the bigger place in mind of these leaders. We are looking and monitoring very closely what's happening in Taiwan. Uh, of course, uh, because once China and and the United States uh, go head head to head about certain things, um, ultimately the Strait of Taiwan is a goal of China. Um, they see it as a legitimate territory of China. Of course, it was so for many many years. Uh, there were various agreements, and then, of course, it was taken apart. Uh, very mm-hmm. much uh, history needs to be <laughs> uh, discussed to provide the whole picture. But, you know, Australia is a big part of this. Japan is a big part of this. Uh, South Korea, to see the air show that the Americans and South Koreans uh, had dozens of aircraft in the air. Um, well, dozens, uh, several dozen Mm -hmm. uh, of aircraft in the air uh, capable of wreaking a lot of havoc. That was a signal. Yes. We are together. The signal towards North Korea. Again, one of those actors is part of the Chinese equation. So we're looking at the whole picture. We're understanding that we're living in complex times. And when we're looking at the uh, Syrian front and the exercise there, it was less a signal to Israel because of the uh, coordinated mechanism that we have with the Russians on the Syria mm-hmm. front. Anything that happens in Syrian airspace is in coordination with mm-hmm. the Russians. Coordination, not cooperation. This is very important to highlight. And uh, the Russians are informed merely several minutes beforehand. So, um, God forbid they don't tip off the enemy and, and allow oh, them yes. to move yes. and suddenly the weapons caches or uh, whatever Israel intends to um, um, take out, to yeah. eliminate. Okay, but there was a meeting mm-hmm. during that time of the exercise. Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov visited Turkey, met with Turkish Foreign Minister Mevlüt and there was a whole discussion not only about the grain that is Ukrainian grain and Russian grain to uh, transport it to the Middle East because Mm -hmm. uh, the Middle East is heavily reliant. Think about Egypt, for instance, just to interject a moment. 
Egypt has 100 million people living on the southwestern, okay, uh, the southwestern border. All of this is Egypt. Now, 100 million people here on Israel's doorstep, 80% of which are heavily reliant on grain coming from Russia and uh, Ukraine. They are in big trouble. Yes. This is going to impact Israel's security. We need to understand this. So th the situation in Ukraine and Russia impacts the security of, of mm -hmm. Israel. Um, and Israel is also heavily reliant on, on multiple sources, so not only Russia and, and, and Ukraine, but it also... Yeah, of course, it affects, affects also economy, economically in, in other ways. There are many aspects there. But so let me going, ask, back okay. going back to Turkey, that specific meeting was about that, grain shipments, and the second angle was uh, they are discussing a deconfliction of northern Syria and discussing what should be done because Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan highlighted that there's going to be an offensive into Syria. There is already an offensive, an operation in Iraq mm -hmm. in order to create a 30-kilometer uh, barrier along the entire border. Yeah, that was exactly my, my question, actually. I was wondering, are there basically negotiating terms for Syria? Like, are there splitting Syria up? Or, so, so to say? The, Turkey has interests in, in Syria, mm -hmm. ultimately. Uh, there is a dispute going back a long time. It's not just since the 90s. It's be, before that, but since the 90s, uh, there was almost a war between the two countries, uh, between Syria and uh, mm -hmm. Turkey. Mm -hmm. um, Turkey decided not to engage back then uh, fully, but it could have. But when we're looking at the situation uh, right now, Turkey is quite adamant uh, on, on moving forward. This also has impact on the accession of, Na uh, of NATO hopefuls. Finland and Sweden. Mm -hmm. So that's also one of the reasons that we had the program last Friday yes. about uh, this Turkish uh, engagement, if you will, to provide us a better understanding on the Turkish narrative. Yeah, Turkish why Why are Turkey, is Turkey against, uh, you know, Finland or Sweden joining? Indeed. So the NATO. last time uh, in Operation uh, Spring, they have various spring operations. Yes. Um, Sweden and Finland uh, sanctioned Turkish uh, defense industries. And not only them, many others also within NATO. Yes. Um, after they invaded the last time into Syria and fought with the YPG, the YPG, EPD. And yeah, the so Kurdish on, militias. The Kurdish militias there. And uh, Turkey has a true problem with the PKK. The PKK is the, uh, you know, the... the uh, Kurdish Workers' Party. Mm -hmm. uh, they're communists. And they're also uh, designated as terrorists. And they're designated as terrorists in the European Union, mm -hmm. in the United States, in Israel for that matter. Uh, so this specific group um, infiltrates into various ranks, obviously. There is mm -hmm. a problem within the YPG uh, that there are some elements of the PKK, but it doesn't mean that all of them are PKK. Yes. Nevertheless, Turkey sees this as an opportunity and thinks geostrategically. Uh, of course, there are other reasons behind that. 
but ultimately Turkey will enter. And now they're negotiating terms with Russia over Syria, something that Turkey is holding um, a certain, has leverage over NATO with mm-hmm. regard to the accession of Finland and Sweden, even though Finland and Sweden will be a great addition. To NATO, yes, strategically, um, just by looking at the map. Not only okay. strategically, the the Finnish military is quite yes. impressive when you look at it. It's still a conscription military. Mm-hmm. You look at uh, Sweden; it has a robust defense industry mm-hmm. uh, in cooperation with uh, the UK and with uh, the Netherlands and with Germany on on many fields. So we need to look at it, of course, on the, the big picture. And understand that uh, the complexities on, of Israel's northern front are very much intertwined with everything that we see in Europe today, with everything, by the way, that we see also in the, the eastern front mm-hmm. of, of China. So we need to understand that everything is interconnected, as we always say, and that we need to pray for the situation and for wisdom for mm-hmm. the leaders, that they may understand exactly um, how to act, what to act, and that they may act in accordance with God's will. Yes, yes, definitely. No, I'm assuming it's very, it's a very tough job to be the leaders of these countries, and they will need, you know, God's help in in giving them wisdom to move mm-hmm. forward with these de- very hard decisions. But uh, I think for the last part of the show, of course, time is running out. Maybe let's go back. To Israel, okay. We we heard reports last week of lots of activity in the West Bank, in the you know, in Palestinian cities, and many arrests. What what is happening? Is this uh, surgical operations still going on? Are they stepped up? Is there something our viewers should really know about the situation in Israel? Pray for, because the Gaza border is kind of quiet for now. Uh, the Gaza border is relatively quiet. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, miscalculation is the word we always use. One one misstep and everything one can boil up. One misstep can boil up the okay. whole region. But uh, when we're looking at, at you know the West Bank districts, um, and they include, of course, Judea and Samaria, which are the two large districts, yeah. and then you have also the Jordan Valley. So these are separate. Uh, and that's why also when we say the West Bank, we don't only say Judea Samaria because it's also the Jordan Valley, which mm-hmm. is a strategic component within that equation. You know, Iran is working, and, and I'm, I'm emphasizing Iran is working to deter Israel from action against its nuclear installations. Okay. Um, I have no reason of a doubt. Uh, I. I you know, I don't have the data in front of me, and this is inf- important to tell our viewers. Um, people speculate that Iran is already um, very advanced in its endeavors when it comes to um, it being able to develop nuclear weapon capabilities mm-hmm. uh, from a w- weapon, a payload. Yes. Sense. And uh, therefore, I, I don't want to touch base on that specifically, but I, I spoke with a few people in the know on this particularly. And Iran is more advanced 
than what North Korea was mm-hmm. when it decided to exit the NPT and move towards a nuclear weapon. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if we establish an analogy between North Korea and Iran, Iran is far more advanced from a um, nuclear capability uh, or the process to attain that capability than what North Korea was. And I suspect, and, and this is speculative, of mm-hmm. course, um, but I suspect that Iran will pull out from the NPT at some point, the non-proliferation treaty. Yes, yeah. You think um, they will do that after reaching an agreement? No, no, no. With the, without an agreement. Without an agreement. Without an okay. agreement. Um, I think that uh, if Iran truly wants to attain a nuclear weapon, uh, it will have to disengage from the NPT, and then it's not bound by international law mm-hmm. to prevent it from doing so behind closed doors. There is no scrutiny. Yes. It's not a signatory. Um, nevertheless, this would trigger a reaction. Uh, and, you know, the military reaction is not the preferable reaction, even not for Israel. Yes. Okay, people need to understand this. We do not seek war with Iran because this will bring devastation to the Middle East. It would harm Israel, but uh, the, the firepower, that will be brought upon Iran um, would change the entire equation of the Middle East Mm -hmm. uh, and also for Iran proper. And Iran, not to forget, the regime that controls Iran is probably controlling only, uh, there are estimates of about 8 to 14% of the population support this regime. And the others are just hostages? The others, uh, they're not hostages, but they live within a country that has a regime that they do not support. Okay, so we need to understand that it's not black and white. Yes. Also not for Iran, particularly. Nonetheless, in order to deter action against Iran, military action, Mm -hmm. that is, Iran wants to establish, um, to entrench militarily in Syria, in Lebanon, Mm -hmm. in Yemen, in um, Israel, in in Judea and Samaria, in the West Bank, in Gaza, PIJ, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, is a uh, Palestinian organization that is funded by Iran, that receives directives from Mm -hmm. Iran, and that is growing in popularity within the Palestinian equation. Uh So Israel is working to eradicate this specific organization and other organizations that are working directly at Iran's behest. Mm -hmm. In the West Bank, they will do so in in Gaza. Uh, When the time comes, Hamas will be struck strongly Yes. But Palestinian Islamic Jihad will be wiped out completely. Why? Well, I um, see. Yeah, definitely. When we're talking about Lebanon, Hezbollah, Syria, there are various Shiite militias, and Iran is working very hard to engulf Israel and to threaten Israel from all uh, areas. From all angles. Including Iraq, but, and this is a strong, important but, God is in control, and it's providing Israel discernment to know how to act and mm-hmm. how to approach this challenge uh, in accordance with the necessities to ensure and secure the peace of Jerusalem. Well, thank you, Jonathan, for giving us all this understanding of the chessboard 
which is the world, and everybody's moving his pieces. My pleasure. And thank you to our viewers. And until next time, we'll see you again, and Shalom from Jerusalem. Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.